of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Danielle Kunkel-Roberts is our featured guest of today. She's the founding partner of Boomer Benefits, a leading national insurance agency that specializes in Medicare since 2005. She's the author of best-selling book, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, newly updated for 2023's Medicare Decisions with nearly 40,000 copies sold. She's a frequent source for major news outlets such as CNBC, Fox, Yahoo, Finance, Kiplinger, and Market Watch. Danielle's online following is comprised of over a million current and future Medicare beneficiaries. She's appeared on more than 200 podcasts, radio shows, TV segments to educate the public on Medicare. She's one of my favorite Medicare guests of all time. Danielle serves on the NABIP. Medicare Advisory Group, where she advocates for Medicare beneficiaries at a national level to government organizations, including CMS. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks, Josh. And uh, we talked about your bio, but describe your origin story. What did you do before 2005 and kind of what led you to found Boomer Benefits? Yeah, right after college, I took a job with a local entrepreneur here in Fort Worth, and I worked in the staffing industry there for about 10 years. And then I started looking for something for me to do um, that could lead to owning my own business. And there's a lot of things out there. You have to sort through quite a few as you go. But insurance, when I found it, seemed like the perfect fit. Everyone needs help with it. There's a lot of confusing terminology, Medicare, more than any of them. And so we started an agency, my brother and I, in the health insurance business. And eventually that evolved to just helping people with Medicare. And so I have been working with Medicare products for almost 19 years now. Fantastic. So we're with Danielle Kunkel-Roberts, and she's uh, arguably one of the top Medicare experts in the country. So it's funny. So basically going from college right to the financial industry, it's funny, me too. It was, it was a similar kind of journey. Um, my parents struggled, lost everything due to disability. So I wanted to kind of help others not ever have that same woe. So we're on open enrollment time. Uh, describe open enrollment. When is it and why is it important? Yeah. So for Medicare, you have one time in the fall each year from October 15th to December 7th to make changes to either your Part D drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan if you have one. And what the annual election period doesn't pertain to our Medigap plans. So if you have a Medigap plan, a Medicare supplement plan, those plans don't have an annual renewal. They don't have benefits necessarily that change from year to year. But if you need to make a change to your drug plan or your Advantage plan, that window, that seven-week window comes every year in the fall from the 15th until December 7th. So October 15th to December 7th, um, December 7th, easy to remember, Pearl Harbor Day, day that we'll easy. live in infamy, October 15th. So that's Medigap. Uh, describe for people like what is Medigap? We hear that. What does that term mean? 
And Medicare so, Advantage as well. Yeah. So a Medigap plan, or also called the Medicare supplement, two uh, terms, but same product, is a private insurance policy that you can purchase and add on to the back of your Medicare. You want to think of it as supplemental to the parts that Medicare doesn't cover. So when you enroll in Medicare Parts A and B, you have deductibles, copays, and coinsurance that you will pay for as long as you are using uh, Medicare's insurance. Medicare only covers 80% of outpatient costs. And so a Medigap plan comes in and those bills that would normally be coming to you for that 20% or for your hospital deductible, instead, those bills will go to your Medigap company and then they pay, they pay their share. And then you only end up with a bill in the mail if there's anything left over. And on some of the most popular plans like Plan G, uh, there's rarely little to nothing left over on the back end. And so really comprehensive coverage, allowing you freedom of access to any providers here in the nation that accept Medicare. And let's talk about the the alphabet soup of Medicare, A, B, C, D, E, G. Uh, Make sense of it all. That's confusing to some people sometimes. You know, I agree. And I think Uncle Sam really got that wrong. Um, First, they came out with Medicare having parts A, B, C, and D. And then they decided to name Medigap plans A, B, C, D, F, uh, K, L, M, N. There's some missing letters there because those are some plans that have been retired. And this is endlessly confusing to consumers, right? Because they have the same letters for both parts of Medicare and plans that supplement Medicare. I will never understand why they didn't use Roman numerals or something like that, but it is the way that it is. Fortunately, if you're speaking with a Medicare expert or a broker agent, if you were to say something like Part G, which there's no such thing that doesn't exist, we're going to know that you mean a Plan G. I can also tell you that less than 2% of Medicare beneficiaries sign up for Medicare Supplement A, B, C, or D because those plans have um, some things in them that they don't cover. They may not cover the hospital deductible. I think two of the plans don't cover the skilled nursing. And so by and large, people typically who are living on a fixed income want really comprehensive, solid coverage on the back end that's very predictable, and they know what kind of bills are going to be coming in their mailbox. And so they tend to enroll mostly in the most cost-effective and the most comprehensive plans, which are your Medicare Supplement Plan G. And then Plan N is a a close second. That plan may have a little bit lower premiums, though, if you're willing to take on some copays at the doctor and a copay for um, an ER visit, as well as some excess charges. What about um, the Medicare Advantage uh, plan? What 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 letter is that? D G C? Yeah, C, so right? Me- it's C, right? <laughs> it is. That's right. Okay. The Medicare Advantage program is part C of Medicare. So even though Medicare doesn't provide Medicare Advantage plans. They do regulate Advantage plans. And so they are called Part C. So basically, do 99% of all Medicare beneficiaries do like G, N, or C? Is that kind of how it is or 90%? We're right about at a 50% split. I think the last Uh statistic that I read was that 51% of people now enroll in Medicare Advantage plans. And then the other group have original Medicare. And some of the folks on original Medicare uh, also enroll in a Medigap uh, plan like Plan G. Why would someone pick N over G if G is the most comprehensive? So let's say you are a pretty healthy person and you don't go to the doctor very often and you get quotes for Plan G and for Plan N. And Plan N has a lower premium. Maybe it's 20 
$30 a month cheaper than plan G, but it's because you agree on that plan, you'll pay a doctor copay and an ER copay. And that might appeal to someone who doesn't use a lot of coverage to be willing to take on the risk of incurring a doctor copay, uh, however many times throughout the year, but having those lower um, plan and premiums because of it. And why would someone uh, stay with, you know, you hear of uh, plan F, why would somebody pl- stay with plan F? Well, they shouldn't if they can uh, pass the underwriting to change out of it. So over the years that Medigap plans have been in existence, there have been a few plans that have been retired or phased out. And plan F is one that is being phased out. So in 2015, Congress passed the macro legislation, and it essentially said that on when new people, who, people who are new to Medicare on or after January 1st of 2020 could no longer buy Plan F. The reason is that Plan F covers 100% of the deductibles, copays, and coinsurance on Medicare. So you go to the doctor, you pay nothing. You go to the hospital, pay nothing. It's very robust coverage. But their thinking was if the coverage is always first dollar and people don't have to come out of pocket anything for any deductible, are they more likely to run down the street at every little sniffle and sneeze and use the program and end up billing Medicare money? The idea was that if we made plan G the most robust plan that people could now purchase, then at least those folks are coming out of pocket the $240 Part B deductible at the beginning of the year before their benefits kick in. That was the logic behind it. Um, So although people can still get plan F if they were eligible for Medicare prior to January 1st of 2020, there is a shrinking book of people on that plan. And as they get older and often sicker, those premiums may go up more quickly because of the loss ratios incurred on that plan. So if you compare that to a plan G, where the only difference is that you pay that Part B deductible at the beginning of every year, you're probably going to have a lot lower premiums and hopefully be taking lower rate increases on that plan. You know, fantastic. So, but why, how, so people have to go through underwriting if they have this F plan, which was the one that was like, G. everybody was, you know, I remember all the Medicare experts 10 years ago said, do F, do F. Now they say, do G, do G. What is the type of underwriting you have to pass? Like if you're 77, you had cancer, nobody's going to want you, right? Well, everyone gets one opportunity right out of the gate with their Part B effective date. They have six months from when they enroll in Part B and their effective date for Part B that appears on their red, white, and blue Medicare card. They have six months from that date to enroll in any Medigap plan in their zip code, no health questions asked. So if a person is calling in and dealing with one of my team at Boomer Benefits, one of the first questions we're going to say is, what is your Part B effective date? We want to see, are you in that six-month window? Because as long as you apply during that window... Um, you will be automatically covered. The, the Medigap companies can't turn you down. So this becomes especially important if you have a chronic health condition, something that is maybe treatable but not curable, osteoporosis, rheumatoid arthritis, things like this. That might be your only chance to get a Medigap plan because thereafter, in most states, but not all, in most states, you would have to answer health questions and go through underwriting to get a plan after that six-month window expires. So then you would be out of luck. In many cases, if you're trying to go from F to G and you're 77, you had some issue. You could. It depends. Some carriers, if you're switching from plan F to plan G within that same carrier, they may waive the underwriting requirement. We see that occasionally in some states. Um, But you're correct. In other areas, switching from one plan to another might require underwriting. And so 
this is a good point, right? Because you should never cancel the existing coverage that you have on Medigap until you know the new plan that you've applied for has been approved and um, sent through underwriting and is being issued into a policy. Well, I guess it never hurts to just, you know, contact somebody, you know, a boomer benefits and just say, hey, can I switch my plan or contact your health insurer to say, hey, will you switch me out for free if you're an F recipient? You could certainly check. And in some states, for example, like in New York, there's year-round open enrollment. So you can switch and buy a plan anytime that you want to. There's no underwriting requirement whatsoever. Um, The downside of that is that the plans in New York are ridiculously higher and more expensive than what you could get that same plan for, say, in the Midwest or here in Texas, because they can't underwrite out the sick people. They raise the rates for everyone. However, you'll be able to get a plan for sure, even if you waited until you were 68 to buy it. Fantastic. We're on with Daniel Roberts of Boomer Benefits, founding uh, partner of Boomer Benefits, one of the leading Medicare agencies in the country. If you have a Medicare question, you can type it live in the chat. Uh, We're live on Facebook. If you have a question, just type it in the chat. Uh, Let's talk about changes for Medicare in 2023. I do want to talk more about Medicare Advantage uh, versus G versus N. So basically, F was the old Cadillac. It went, now kind of G is the one that everybody recommends. Although if G is too much money, you could go to N if you don't go to the doctors as much, or you could get a Medicare Advantage plan, which is cheaper. Medicare Advantage, talk about that. There's no premium. It's free. So with a Medicare Advantage plan, when you enroll in Medicare Advantage, you are agreeing to get your Part A and B health services through that insurance company's network. They're going to develop an HMO or a PPO network in the area where you live. They'll contract some several thousands of doctors and um, you get your care there. And when they do this and, and you join their plan, now all of a sudden your risk is no longer Medicare's, but Medicare has passed that risk off into the Medicare Advantage company. So the reason that you will sometimes see with Advantage plans having a zero premium is because when you enroll in their plan, they get paid well over $1,000 a month from Medicare to take on your risk and be your health plan. So if they can roll out your healthcare services for less than $12,000 a year, they're making a lot of money. So they will set the premiums as low as possible to attract many people into the plan so that they can get their profits from Medicare. Would you want to be in Medicare Advantage? Ideally, like when I've heard about it, like I'm not at that age, but I would want G. Medicare Advantage to me, you have a restrictive network, you know, some doctors might say no to you. I mean, you, you, there are different, like in Pennsylvania, if you're Northeastern Pennsylvania, the Geisinger system, you know, unless you want to go to Philly, Geisinger kind of controls that whole area. So you could probably do the Geisinger Medicare Advantage. In New Jersey, you have Hackensack Meridian's kind of a big hospital system or Robert Wood Johnson. You know, everybody has their own hospital system that people like. Uh, Jacksonville Baptist Health and Mayo Clinic. And I guess you could see if Medicare Advantage takes that. Um, But it seems very restrictive. Like if I had something majorly wrong with me, I'd want to go to the best hospitals in the world. Uh, Am I wrong? Yeah. So it depends on the person. And, And this is something that's really important when we're doing a Medicare 101 webinar or um, people are reading the book, one of the things that we try to share with them is you have to research 
the differences very carefully because you're right. What if you developed a type of leukemia and the best specialist in the world for that was at the Mayo Clinic in another state, but you chose an HMO that has a network only in your state and that particular HMO plan has no out-of-network coverage except in emergencies. You're not going to be able to treat there. So one of the things you could do if you really want an Advantage plan and all the extras that come with that, you might look at a Medicare Advantage PPO plan where at least you can treat outside the network even though it'll be at a higher cost. However, you do still have to ask your provider if they're willing to bill the Advantage plan and not all hospitals, not all providers will will accept that. We will sometimes hear from them that they're one, for one reason or another, they don't want to accept Medicare Advantage and they don't have to. So you have to decide, are you somebody that no matter what would want to treat locally at home where it wouldn't be a problem? Or are you the kind of person that would really do that kind of travel if it was a life-saving uh, or important visit to an important type of specialist? Um, it is true that with Medicare supplements, you are going to have that wider freedom of access and you can see a provider in any state. And I don't know of hospitals that don't take Medicare. So when people look at a zero premium Medicare Advantage plan, sometimes they will ask us, is it too good to be true? And it's not that it's it's not that it's not good coverage. It's that people enroll because they saw a 1-800 commercial 17 times on a Saturday about some amazing benefits that they heard in, in the background. And they didn't do any research to see if their providers are in the network for that plan or that their drugs are on the formulary for that plan. You want to make sure you carefully research what you're enrolling into so that you don't end up in a situation where you cannot access the things that you need to for your healthcare. Is there a website where somebody can check uh, which Medicare plan uh, takes which prescription drug or which doctor? I know you so should ask your doctor, but I mean, is there like an easier solution? Yes. And sometimes the doctor's offices will get this wrong. So it's actually really important that you check, which if you're considering a Medicare Advantage plan all of them have an online directory. So you can Google that Advantage plan, or if you're looking at the plan summary of benefits, there'll be a link provided in there. There you can go and search to find your doctors in the network. Sometimes if you ask your doctor, let's just say that you ask your doctor, do you take Blue Cross? And the doctor says yes. Well, that doesn't mean he takes your Blue Cross HMO meant for Medicare. He might have meant that he takes Blue Cross uh, PPO plans for people under 65, right? Or maybe he takes the PPO advantage plan, but not the HMO. So it's not enough to ask the doctor just the name of a carrier. You have to find out if your provider is in the network for that specific plan. And the easiest and best way to do that is to go to the plan's website and use their directory to look that up. Now, um, someone has told me, I think it was you, if you buy, you know, I'm just Humana versus United Healthcare G plan, it's all the same. Is that is that true? So Medicare supplements, Medigap plans are standardized, meaning um, a plan G is a plan G from one carrier to the next. And so that way you can compare them easily um, and and you can choose the plan with the lowest premium if you like. Doctor might have a better relation with United Healthcare over Humana or whoever. It doesn't matter. On, doesn't a, matter. on a Medigap, if he accepts original Medicare, he must accept your Medigap plan. In fact, when Medicare gets the bill and pays their share, they actually send the remainder of that bill to your Medigap plan to pay that, to pay the share that you would have paid. 
So occasionally a doctor will tell you, I don't take that plan. And they're usually mistaken when it comes to a Medicare supplement, because the only question you should have to ask your provider if you're considering a supplement is, do you take Medicare? If the answer is yes, it doesn't matter which company your Medicare supplement is from. Since Medicare supplements don't have a network, you can use them at any provider that accepts original Medicare. There should never be a doctor telling you they wouldn't take a United Healthcare Plan G over a Blue Cross Plan G. Fantastic. Let's talk about updates for 2023. Uh, what are new developments within Medicare planning? Yeah, so all the big changes this year uh, mostly have to do with Part D. So several years ago, they passed the Inflation Reduction Act, and this in, uh, slowly over a number of years increases and implements some new things with Medicare Part D. So some of what we saw for 2024 is they have um, better coverage for insulin. You can now get your insulins on any plan uh, for a $35 copay. If they offer insulin, they can't charge more than that. They have better vaccine coverage. So instead of your shingles vaccine falling under Part D and you having to pay money for that, it's covered as a preventive vaccine now. And uh, the vaccine coverage is greatly enriched. But what's really important about 2024 and 2025 is on Medicare Part D drug plans, it used to be that when you reached the catastrophic level of the plan because you had come out of a pocket quite dearly, you would go to uh, 5% coinsurance. So the carrier would have to pay 95%. You would just pay the other 5%. But if you're someone that's taking an oral chemo med that is $8,000 a month, that 5% is still a lot of money to you. And especially so for people that are no longer um, working and having income, they can't go work overtime to make up the difference. So um, that's really important to be able to uh, no longer have to pay that 5%. So what happens now in 2024, that will cap a hard cap at 8,000. So if you, your spending and your uh, brand name discounts in the gap reach a total of 8,000 for the year in 2024, now you're completely done. You don't pay 5%. The carrier has to pick up the rest of your drug expenses for the year. And next year in 2025, that will come down to 2,000. So now on a Part D drug plan, the most that you would come out of pocket for your covered formulary medications for that year is $2,000. And uh, those are some pretty significant changes to the Part D program um, that should make the plans, should make the cost of the medicines more affordable. Fantastic. Any other developments for 2023 we should know about? Those are the main ones. Of course, Medicare has changes every year to their deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, and premiums. Um, the premiums for Part B went up about ten dollars uh, this year. So, in the base Part B premium in 2024, will be one hundred and seventy-four dollars and seventy cents per month. And then those are the kind of numbers that shift a little bit. Now, if you have a Medigap plan, your plan is going to cover those for you and will shift with you. But if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, their funding does change a little bit from year to year. So, every year in September, you're going to get an annual notice of change packet in the mail telling you everything that's changing on your Advantage plan from this year to the following year, you want to make sure that you open that and look through it very carefully because if they do change something important next year, let's say they're dropping one of your medications, you want to know about that when you're looking through your annual notice of change in September so that you can take advantage of the annual election period coming up in October to switch to a different plan that will still offer that medication. Um, so, the average changes happen each year. That's why that annual election period exists. Fantastic. So 
We're with Danielle Roberts, author of the book, The 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. If you want that book, you could call my office at 888-988-JOSH and we'll give you it for free when you schedule a no-obligation review. 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. You could get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Danielle is arguably the best uh, Medicare expert in the country, defined by me. I've interviewed <laughs> you. I've interviewed that guy. Soul. That was a good book. Does he update his book every year? Salt Paul. What was that? It was like. You get, are you talking about the get the most out of Medicare book? Yeah. Or is that dated now? Um, I think so. I I did. Uh, I'm a familiar with him as an author, and I know that he knows a lot about Medicare, but I don't know if he does an annual update to his book or not. I would yeah. think so because we do. We release a new copy of it every year so that the numbers match the current numbers for Medicare. Yeah, it would be wise, but you never know. Um, but uh, yeah, you and and then he, he he's probably number two. He he had a great. He was on PBS, but no, I'm looking. I don't know if they updated it. Phil Moeller and and uh, Solman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. That's a big miss by Scheinman and Schuster if they haven't done it. But hey, good good for your book, right? The ten, <laughs> and that's why everybody should get it. Uh, the ten costly Medicare mistakes you can't afford to make. So, uh, long term health care does. How do people? Just got a call from a client. They're saying um, they're getting bills of fifteen grand a month for end-of-life care. How does Medicare play into that? Do they not cover that? Do they? So Medicare covers your inpatient and outpatient medical expenses while you are living in assisted living or nursing home scenario. So if you have a doctor appointment or you go to the hospital, you're going to be covered the same way you always have been. But Medicare does not provide the rent that you pay to live in those facilities. And so if you don't have long-term care insurance and you haven't set aside money to potentially pay for that down the road, uh, you could find out and be in a situation where you've got to come out of pocket $8,000 a month for you you or your parent who perhaps didn't prepare for long-term care. And so Medicare does not cover long-term care. It's really important to plan for um, my mom and stepdad. They have policies in place so that they can access that care either in their own home or at a facility. We set those policies up years ago because it's just so expensive. And um, if you don't do any of those things, they can actually take you through a Medicaid spend down where you spend through uh, most of your resources and then you qualify for Medicaid. Um, and th- that's not fun though, right? You, you'll you be sent to the, the, the first bed that's open or anywhere in your state and um, you've made, you've impoverished yourself to get there. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to do that. So talk about the impact of inflation on healthcare costs, including Medicare premiums. Mm-hmm. Inflation on healthcare, you know, we've had terrible inflation on many things over the last year or two, but on healthcare, it's exactly the same. And so that is why from year to year on your Medigap plan, you will see rate increases. Um, the cost of healthcare uh, increases, Medicare increases its deductibles, copays, and coinsurance. Your Medigap plan picks those things up for you. And so um, that is why you'll see the annual increases in the premiums because 
there is inflation for healthcare, just like everything else. And I don't, I don't see anything currently in the agenda that's really going to uh, stop that. And we need to be prepared for it. You need to have enough money set aside. I think I saw a study not too long ago, and it was something like $380,000 is the amount that people need to have set aside for their cost of healthcare in retirement. And that being a figure to include what they might spend on Medicare and long-term care. Yeah, and it's like uh, people are getting a social security bump with inflation, but then the government giveth, the government taketh away. The Medicare premiums are rising. And then you have yep. that IRMA, the income-related Medicare adjustment. Talk about IRMA. Uh, IRMA is yeah. something that hits a lot of listeners and viewers that they don't do enough planning for. Yeah, I think that's kind of where your world and mine collides, right? Because you're working with the people when they're coming into Medicare age. And from my perspective, I'm trying to educate them when they're 63, because decisions you make at 63 and 64 will affect your Medicare premiums. So it used to be that everyone just paid the same old Medicare premium, and that was some good days. But as you know, with taxes here in America, and you earn more, you pay more, it's the same with Medicare now. So if you um, have Medicare and your income is over a certain limit each year, then they can tack on which is what is called an income-related monthly adjustment amount. And there's several tiers. So based on bands of income, and um, you can find these charts online. The IRMA charts are very easy to find. Based on those, you will find um, what you'll pay. And so you could be in a tax bracket where um, now, in 2023, they're looking back at your 2021 income. And if your income was higher than that threshold, you're going to get a letter from Social Security that says, hey, we've made a benefit determination based on your tax return from two years ago. This is what you were earning. And so instead of paying 174.70 for Medicare, your Part B premium is going to be 260 or whatever the the levels are. So a lot of people that work with financial advisors, you know, they've been carefully stockpiling money for a number of years and they may be disappointed to find that uh, that the income that they have created for themselves ends up creating a bigger Part B premium. But there are some things that you can do um, for planning with that. The first one being just being aware of it, because let's say you have a piece of property that you want to sell and you're going to make a sizable capital gain on that property. Probably a good idea to sell it when you're 62 so that those capital gains don't hit you when you're 63 and then inflate your Medicare premiums um, two years later. So uh, same thing with um, severance from work. You take a big job severance um, and that could be an, an unnaturally inflated premium and that could affect your income then two years later. In these scenarios, you can appeal with Social Security and tell them, hey, I did earn more that year, but now today, here's documentation of what I'm earning now. And if you have lower income because of certain things like retirement or your income change due to uh, marriage, divorce, or death of a spouse, those are all valid reasons that they might adjust that down for you sooner so that you don't have to wait the two years for that to catch up to you. But if you just had a windfall that year or a giant capital gain, uh, those things will affect your premiums. Once you get onto Medicare, it'll affect premiums for both parts B and D. So you may end up paying more for Medicare than you planned. You want to be running these numbers with your financial planner in the years leading up to Medicare so that you can accurately peg what you expect to spend on Medicare and retirement. Yeah, IRMA planning is is very nuanced. We have a whole IRMA planning calculator where you can then see, because if you have tax-exempt income from a Roth, 
cash value life insurance policy or other sources, that doesn't hurt you on your IRMA. Also doesn't hurt you on your social security taxation. And all these things are very nuanced. And it's it's kind of a veiled tax on the rich, Irma. And we've had people retire and they they start taking their RMD and then they're they're in the highest tax bracket of their life and they're paying a high yeah. Medicare premium. So that's that's a great uh, that's a great point. Let's talk about um how does financial any other ways that financial planning fits uh when it comes to healthcare premiums, healthcare expenses, things like that? Yeah, of course you can do the planning for the Irma as well, but also you're going to be making a pretty big choice, right, between a Medicare supplement coverage and Medicare Advantage coverage. And you want to um, weigh out what, what you're going to spend on those and does that fit into the budget that you've put together with your financial advisor. If you're going to have a premium for Part B and then a Medigap premium and then a premium for Part D and possibly an Irma, you want to know. Uh, what that total could potentially be so that you can be prepared that whatever retirement distributions you are taking, uh, you'll have enough to pay those for that scenario. And if you don't, and then you maybe perhaps go the Medicare Advantage route so that you can have a zero premium, still going to pay for Part B, but at least then you don't have the Medigap premium on there. Um, These are decisions that you could be potentially making ahead of time to limit the stress level that happens when you slide into Medicare at the last minute and three days before you turn 65, you're trying to learn all of these things. Starting early and carefully looking at the expenses is important. It's also important to talk to other people that have Medicare Um, I know many financial advisors have stories about Medicare from other clients that they can pass on. So having this discussion about what you could potentially spend is really important because I have seen people who got an Irma that was unexpected and postponed their retirement date because nobody had planned for that. And if you aren't working with someone that's looking at the big picture, then it would be a lot easier to overlook those things. You might also talk with them about, hey, this Medicare supplement is going to cost me $150 a month, but I don't go to the doctor very often. I don't take any medications. What if I took that $150 a month and set it in a savings account or invested it into something with a pretty reasonable and safe return? And I keep doing that so that three or four years down the road, if I have a bad year with my health on my Advantage plan and I am spending some out-of-pocket, I've got this money over here that's set aside and that's designated only for medical expenses. Those are the kind of ideas that benefits and retirement and financial advisor professionals can offer to you. And so, of course, we recommend that everyone works with one. Oh, fantastic. Also, I just think the conversation of even, you know, what doctors you use, where are you going to go? Like my, fa- I would go anywhere. I'd go to the Mayo Clinic. I'd go to this place. I'd go to Cedar sinai I'd go to whatever, MD Anderson, if there was an issue, God forbid. My, my father, for example, he wouldn't, he wouldn't travel beyond, you know, an hour, hour and a half radius. He, he just, you know, if he's, if uh, the Lord was going to take him, he was like, hey, I'm going. I don't want to go that far from my house. So I think that's a big discussion because you could save a ton of money by going with the Medicare Advantage plan if you're just honest about, I, I think of where we are in New Jersey. If you want local stuff, Jim and I have talked about this. If something was really bad and you go to Southern Ocean County Hospital, if you know you broke your ankle, but if maybe you'll go to Jersey Shore, which is in the same network, or Hackensack Meridian, they have a, I think it's a top 20 to 50 
cancer hospital in the re, you know in the U.S. So it's it's not a slouch hospital, but maybe that's the most you would drive. Or Robert Wood Johnson. Well, then I I believe there's plenty of Medicare Advantage plans that you could go to that would cover that without paying the cost of G. Yeah. And what if your financial advisor said, hey, you know what? If we look at your figures right now, you can afford a Medigap plan. So let's start with the Medigap plan. And we're going to sit down and review this every year. And as you have rate increases and that gets more expensive, we could consider at some point switching to Medicare Advantage because going that direction is easy, right? You can start with a Medigap plan. And later, if you change your mind, you just wait till the annual election period and sign up for an Advantage plan because there's no health questions. But the other direction is harder, right? We start with the Advantage plan. And a few years down the road, you change your mind now to get into a Medigap plan in many states, you've got to go through underwriting. Um, I think this is a very simple tip that most financial advisors do share with their clients. And that's the kind of advice that you can look forward to getting. I think a lot of people go that route, starting with one type of coverage and knowing that they could fall back to the other if their budget gets tighter or there's some unforeseen expenses. So what about HSAs? How does HSAs interplay with Medicare? Can you pay your premiums with HSAs? When can you, when do you have to get rid of your HSA, all that stuff? Yeah. So a lot of people today work past 65 and they may have uh, work for employer with 20 or more employees. It's a large employer coverage. And maybe the plan that the employer offers is a high deductible health plan with a compatible HSA. And either you or your uh, employer want to keep contributing into that HSA. A lot of people want to do this and they want to do this until they retire. Well, the IRS says, you cannot contribute into an HSA if you have any other form of insurance active besides the high deductible health plan. Well, Medicare, even Part A, which for most people has a zero premium, that is a form of insurance. So if you are actively working and still contributing to an HSA, um, you don't want to enroll in any part of Medicare, A, B, C or, C, or D. You'll delay all of it until such time that you retire. But during that time, you're growing the value of your HSA account. And now when you get on Medicare later on, you can use uh, the money in your HSA to pay for things like parts B and D premiums, uh, deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, dental vision and hearing expenses. You cannot use your HSA to pay for a Medigap premium, but you can use it to reimburse yourself for things like Medicare parts B and D that are being deducted out of your social security check you can get that money back from your HSA. Wouldn't it be great to waltz on into Medicare and you've got $20,000 sitting in your HSA? Uh, that's a perfect rainy day fund already made for made uh, perfect for you. And so you might be in a position to more confidently go with a Medicare Advantage plan, knowing that you've got that money set aside for things like that. So just let me kind of clarify what you're saying make sure I understand. It. So if I'm still working for, for a large employer, let's say they offer health insurance from 65 when I'm Medicare eligible to 70, then I retire at 70. I, if I don't apply for A, so just do nothing from 65 to 70, I can still contribute to that HSA for five years, build that money tax-free. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. That's awesome. So if you don't go for A, do you have to file something or you just don't do nothing? You don't. I mean, some people will call Medicare and just tell them, I'm still working. I'm not going to enroll in Medicare at this time. And they'll make a note of it, but you don't have to necessarily let them know. It's more important when you're getting ready to leave the employer coverage that you put a phone call into Medicare to say, hey, 
we know you've been paying secondary all this time because I've been working, but on June 1st, uh, I'm retiring and, not, and Medicare will be my primary then. So I'm, you know, um, letting you know that so that when you get bills after June 1st, you don't reject them thinking that you're still the secondary coverage when actually you're going to be that primary coverage. So that communication coming out of that employer coverage is always helpful to just avoid hiccups that you would have to go back and fix later. We, we have a listener question here. I'm all ears regarding enrolling in a Medigap plan. I've been enrolled in ARP uh, plan N. It's worked fine so far. However, my 2024 rates have gone up $40. Doesn't seem like a lot of money. I called them to question what I thought was an excessive increase. I was told that there's a range and based on my claims from 2023 is what determines the premium. Can you investigate and confirm that it works that way? So the rates shouldn't be based on your particular health care claims and what they're paid. It's usually a rate increase across the block. So it might be all the people that are on plan N are getting X increase. Sometimes it's the carrier does and across the board, no matter which plan you're on, everybody's getting a 5% increase or something like that. Um, but usually uh, when they're doing those premium increases, they will have, um, it'll be across a block of people and not a rate increase specifically for you. However, some carriers, and I believe United Healthcare is one of them, uh, they don't, they can do more than one rate increase a year. So you might see a rate increase on your policy anniversary and also on your birthday when you get a year older. And um, it's not specific to you, but to anyone else that is the same uh, age, zip code, gender in that block. Um, and so it's always a good idea to shop your plan. If you get a several rate increases, if you're in good enough health to potentially switch, um, reach out to a Medicare broker and see if there's anyone else in the area offering that same plan for less. Yeah, we've had many people reach out to you and your team at Boomer Benefits. They do a great job. You can go to, what is it, boomerbenefits.com? Mm -hmm. And I think we even have a special link uh, for WR listeners, the Financial Quarterback Podcast listeners. And I mean, you know what you, you interestingly, th this is a client friend of mine, very intuitive woman. And I think it would have been easy to dismiss her point, but I think she was onto something and you're onto something. You said zip code, mm -hmm. gender, and age. So what I wonder is, I mean, United Healthcare and these big organizations, some of the richest, biggest companies in the world, I wonder if they're funneling everything through computer algorithms or programs to say, hey, our claims experience is bad for 73-year-old women living in, you know, Valley Stream, New York. So they could, I guess, be that pinpoint. Yeah, and with a lot of carriers, they are. One good thing about the United Healthcare plans is they do what's a, called a community rating. And so there are certain things that won't affect it. For example, I think it doesn't matter your gender. Um, so on a community rating, it might be that everybody who's on a particular plan, whether they're male or female, is going to pay X. Maybe their age doesn't matter. One of the other things doesn't matter. But most carriers, with most carriers, the things that will affect that rate for sure are going to be um, 
your gender, age, zip code, and whether or not you use tobacco. Also, some carriers may have a, a discount. If two people live in the same household, they both get 5% if they both enroll in a particular Medigap plan. So they're going to look and quote you rates based on and your eligibility for any of those discounts. There's so many factors that come into play, uh, but a good broker will be able to quote you uh, multiple carriers so that you can compare those things. No, fantastic. Uh, for those just joining us, I'm Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback with Danielle Roberts of Boomer Benefits. So we talked about HSA. We're talking about a lot today. Uh, anything that we haven't covered that you think our listeners should know about? One of the things I always like to share, uh, this is chapter five in my book, and I see a lot of people miss this. When you come off of your employer coverage, about two weeks after your last day worked, your former health insurer at your employer is going to mail you a letter of creditable coverage. And it looks like a document that's just telling you what coverage you had for certain years. And you might think to yourself, why would I need this? It's easy to throw out or dismiss. However, maybe during those years, you have delayed enrollment into Medicare Part D in your drug plan because your employer coverage had that built-in um, drug coverage. Well, later, when you're, say, let's say you're 70 and now you're retiring and you're going to go sign up for part, for part D, you will immediately get a letter from your new Part D carrier that says, we see that you're over 65. Have you had some other form of creditable coverage in the last five years? And if so, what was it? So two things happen. The first thing is people get the letter. They don't fill it out. They shred it, throw it away. Boom, maximus late penalty on your Part D. It will take you months to sort that out. So you actually don't owe a penalty, but because you didn't carefully review that mail coming from your new Part D carrier, you missed the opportunity to tell them that you did have coverage. Now you're going to appeal uh, that and it can take months for them to resolve it. And you're going to need that letter, that letter of credible coverage that came two weeks after you finished your group insurance to prove in your appeal that you did have that coverage since you were 65 so that you don't end up being hit with that penalty. Um, so insurance documents, especially uh, both that credible coverage letter and the form, the verification form that comes in the mail are important. But the thing is you get so much Medicare mail that you can be a little too quick to sort through and a little too quick to throw away. So no matter what you get from the carrier that you signed up for, always open it up and look at it carefully. Are, are they asking you for any information that you have to submit by a certain deadline? If so, there's an important reason behind it. And so keeping that letter of credible coverage and having it available in case you make a mistake like that and you later have to prove that you shouldn't owe the penalty, having that documentation is super important. Oh, fantastic. Any other things our listeners or viewers should, should know about? Well, you should know that in the fall, uh, your Part D plan is changing. And this year, across the spectrum, we saw Part D plans increase their premiums of around 20%. There's at least one carrier that came in and did the exact opposite and is offering rock bottom rates to buy up a lot of business, probably so that they can market those people for Medicare Advantage plans and things down the line. We never, we never know all their reasons. But if you just ignore that annual notice of change packet and you have a $20 a month premium increase or a $50 a month premium increase, uh, you're going to be really unhappy to figure that out in January when it's too late to change. So make sure that every September 
you're looking at your annual notice of change if you have a drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan. And um, that can save you a lot of heartache down the line. Fantastic. And folks, uh, we're with Danielle Roberts. She has a great book, The 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. Any of those mistakes that we didn't mention today that you think people got people to gotta know about? Obviously, get the book, folks, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes yeah. You Can't Afford to Make on Amazon or call us at 888-988-JOSH and we'll give it to you uh, for free if you schedule and keep your new obligation review. Uh, but yeah, any other mistakes that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, we've, we've mentioned some of the most important ones. Um, there's a few additional in my book that we go over. And just remember, if you're doing your research carefully, write down what you're going to be spending for Part A and B. Just know also that when you um, enroll in an Advantage plan, even if that plan has a zero premium, it doesn't mean that you get to stop paying for Part B. So one of the things I've seen happen a number of times is the person signs up for Medicare A and B. And they find this advantage plan with a zero premium, and they think that means they can drop the Part B. So they get all enrolled in their advantage plan. They call Social Security to cancel their Part B. (laughs) And now they are really in trouble because the advantage plan will immediately drop them because you can't be in an advantage plan without having Part A and B. And now you have to wait until the next January for the general enrollment period to get your Part B back. So you don't have coverage for out of outpatient expenses all the way until uh, you can do that. And so it's so important just to talk to someone who knows what they're doing before you make any major changes. And remember that you're going to pay Part B regardless. Unless you are your income is so low that you qualify for Medicaid, then you will be paying those Part B premiums whether you join a Medigap plan or an Advantage plan. And is there a way to avoid paying for B? Like which plans allow you to do that? No. So because Part B is part of your basic primary coverage that comes from the government. So the only way that you wouldn't pay that is if you qualify, they're called Medicare Savings Programs, and you apply for these through your local Department of Health and Human Services. It's a form of Medicaid, and they have income limits. And if your income limit, I think it's it's below 135% of the federal poverty level. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the percentage, but let's say you're somebody, you just have social security check. You didn't put away much money for retirement. You're living on a social security check and that check is $1,300 a month. That might be somebody that can apply for assistance and they could get some or all of their Part B premium paid for by the federal and state government programs. Um, Those are the folks that would be able to get out of paying the Medicare Part B, but for everybody else of a normal income bracket, um, you're going to pay that regardless. Oh, fantastic. And folks, uh, go to her website, boomerbenefits.com. Danielle Roberts, 10 costly Medicare mistakes you can't afford to make. Want to thank you for joining us. And uh, always a great guest. Thank you.